0: Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. This is Journeys with Jen. I'm Jennifer Griego. Today I have a very exciting guest on here, Dr. Bob Bell. Uh, He was the former president and CEO of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. He worked there for about 35 years, and I'm also joined here with my parents, my mom and my dad. So, hey guys, how's it going?
1: Hi, Jen. Very good. Hi, Dr. Bell. Thank you for joining us. It's an exciting day, exciting time. It's a
2: pleasure, it's an honor. I have such great memories of visiting you folks a few years ago and you all coming to Washington one time. So it's great to hear uh, Jen and how well she's doing and how well the family's doing. So it's, it's an honor to be able to speak to you. at. Uh, it's actually the 30th
3: mm-hmm.
2: anniversary of the time that we discovered the CF gene. So yeah. uh,
3: yes. it
2: goes back before Jen, yes. but it was a milestone in our history of cystic fibrosis.
0: Mm-hmm, yes, uh, it's very exciting, uh, the, everything that has come of the CF Foundation and the, um, I can't think of the word, uh, but everything that's come, especially in the past 30 years when they found the CFG, gene, that was about 30 years ago this week, was the anniversary of that. Uh, yeah, so I'm very excited to talk to you about the CF Foundation and everything that has come about since you've been there, and all the things that you've helped uh, kind of establish during this time. So um, to kind of get started, how did you kind of, how did you hear about CF first?
2: Well, uh, this goes back a long time. You have to remember I'm an older fellow, but (laughs) back in uh, (laughs) 1976, I was at the National Institutes of Health, and that is the world's preeminent medical research organization. It's part of the U.S. government. And I was actually doing some work in uh, diabetes there, but the director of the institute came up to me one day and he says, "Bob, you know, uh, we're really frustrated here at the institute. We're not getting much interest in CF. There's not a lot of progress being made. And would I have any interest in trying to take over the program and doing something with it?" Well, I was. It was, it was sort of. I was sort of reluctant at first, mm-hmm. but. Uh, he uh I he said, Well Bob, before you say yay or nay, I want you to need some uh, I want you to go to a, a conference that was out in uh in uh San Diego. Uh-huh. And this was February if I recall. And anytime you're in Washington D C in February and you have an opportunity to go to San Diego <laughs> in February, you take advantage of it. So yeah. I went there mm-hmm. and the science was not good. I'll be honest with you. The science was very poor but i met some amazing volunteers uh... uh... and that time the foundation was very poor and the volunteers had to bring the meals and bring the cookies and they ran the slide projector and i sort of fell in love with the uh, with the volunteers and the volunteers said gee could you help us would you get involved with us etc etc and i'm still know some of those volunteers in mm-hmm. fact I still get some chocolate chip cookies from one of those volunteers uh, today, Mm. Uh, not today, but still get them. And her son is now, uh, I think, over 42 years old. So that's how I got involved with CF. I stayed at the NIH for about four years. I really got to meet so many people in the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation at the same time. We were doing a strategic plan on how to get people involved in CF and scientists involved and. Uh, So the CF Foundation came to me uh, in 1980 and said, uh, would you come join our effort? And at that point, they were in Atlanta, Georgia, and I said, yep, uh, if you would move to Washington, D.C. And it wasn't so much longer after they moved. So I actually formally joined the foundation in January of uh, 1980.
0: Oh wow, Wow. Um, and when you did join the CF Foundation, what position did you start with from the beginning?
2: I started out as a medical scientific director, uh, and that became the Executive Vice President for Medical Affairs, of which I served for 14 years, and then in uh, 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 1994 I became President CEO.
0: Wow, that's awesome, well congratulations for that, that's amazing, and thank you for everything you've done in doing that. so you, ta- you talked about the science and how it was, in your words, bad back then. Um, what do you, and obviously we talked about how they, we, they have identified the CF gene. And I just also wanted to mention that they have um, created drugs like Kaleidico and Arcambi, which were the first two drugs to treat the underlying cause of the disease. Um, but what are some other things that you have seen as improvements in the science?
2: Well, let me let me go back to 1980 and give you a little bit of the story because it is sort of a remarkable story of what the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation was able to do. And don't forget, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation was had a very small staff at that point mm-hmm. where we had wonderful volunteers like your mom uh, who is now on the board yes. and your dad and you and others. And mm-hmm. uh, so in 1980... Uh, we had said, uh, we really want to be able to treat this disease better. Mm-hmm. 1980, the life expectancy was about 18 years, median life expectancy was about 18 years of age. We were still we had a very small adult population. And I'll jump ahead. Today we have over half of our patients are adults over 18 wow. years of age. Yeah, first so, time ever. So anyway, back then, back then, it was a very small adult population, And we said, and we were treating cystic fibrosis, and we were treating the symptoms of cystic fibrosis. We were treating uh, it with antibiotics, Mm -hmm. clapping, where we removed tight secretions in the lungs and uh, and gave them pancreatic enzymes. But that was always treating the symptoms. And what we said, we're really going to fix this disease. We had to understand what the basic defect was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... You know, it's, it's the analogy that has always been used, you don't fix the furnace, and you mm-hmm. folks in Arizona know, you don't mm-hmm. fix the air conditioning by adjusting the ducts. Mm-hmm. If it's broken, you got to find out what's really wrong with it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so we started a pursuit of trying to find out what the basic defect was. We started a research center network. We brought preeminent scientists into CF. We supported them with grant money. And um, one of the first major clues, we developed a a hypothesis very early. What we know goes wrong in CF is chloride does not exit the airway cells properly. Mm -hmm. When chloride, which is an ion, uh, stays in the cells, it draws water, you get the dehydration. Mm
4: -hmm. But we didn't
2: know why the chloride was staying in the cells. But when we discovered the gene in 1989... We found the protein, which was that channel, and that was such a remarkable time. It kind of opened up the floodgates of interest in cystic fibrosis Mm. because we really felt that by understanding that protein and what it does, we really had a good key and a good clue, I would say, into how it should be fixed. And uh, That was the beginning of the golden age, I say, uh, Mm -hmm. of cystic fibrosis research uh... because uh... lots of people joined our effort uh... and um, and we had a good working hypothesis we had great scientists moving with us so that was uh... that's why i always say it was thirty years ago it was a long long time ago mm-hmm. it took longer than we would ever mm-hmm. have thought to get to the kind of drugs that are treating the basic defect which the first one was actually approved in two thousand twelve Mm -hmm. So that was, what, 22 years, uh, 23 years after we just uh, found the gene, but it was a remarkable time, but all along that time, we were getting new antibiotics, we were developing Pulmozyme, Uh, we had a new antibiotic, several new antibiotics, so the patients were getting better, but Mm -hmm. we were still treating the symptoms of cystic fibrosis.
0: Yeah, wow, that's so interesting. Um, and. When, when, sorry, go ahead. I, I just wanted
1: to comment, Bob. As you described all that, did you feel that the science, the scientists that you were trying to entice to involve themselves in the foundation, did you feel at some point that in your lifetime at the foundation that it was going to take just too long for us to make the progress needed, knowing that science takes a while? Um, was it frustrating for you about the timeline of progress? From the foundation's well, Carol, point of view, Carol, it's
2: always frustrating when you when we were still losing people
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, with cystic fibrosis. Anytime you lose someone, it's terribly frustrating.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: we were so fortunate, Carol, in that we recruited some of the most passionate, mm-hmm. caring scientists and clinicians in the cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and they shared data. Unlike many disease, they were sharing their data. Uh, it was a unique environment. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that should have given us all confidence that uh, we were going to make it. Yeah. Uh, and then, at, uh, as, you know, the, the thing that I felt very strongly in the late uh, 1997, 98, 99, was that we really had to get industry involved in this. Mm-hmm. And we had always had academics. We had great science. I mean, the folks at the University of Michigan and Toronto, they discovered the genes. We had a great program in North Carolina, Alabama, lots of wonderful programs all around the country. But it still wasn't going fast enough Mm because these were largely academic institutions. And so we said, let's bring industry into this effort. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started a a program called Venture Philanthropy. And everybody knows about venture capital. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh,
2: Well, that's when you take investors' money and you invest it. Uh, We were taking philanthropic dollars, and the investors were our wonderful people that were raising money for it. And we decided to give it to companies. And... uh, And let's all work together. We had a wonderful academic community. We had a wonderful care community. And let's embrace industry. Because they could do things so much faster than you could in academics. They could build robots that could screen thousands of drugs. Uh, For uh, for an instance, it used to take a scientist maybe two or three days to screen two or three compounds. Some of the robotics that we took advantage of with uh, one of the companies was Aurora, which became Vertex Pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. later on, they could screen 25,000 compounds in a night. Yeah,
3: amazing. But no
2: academic institution could make that investment. So we made a number of, I call them shots on goal with mm-hmm. industry. Some were more successful than others, but uh, the one that started out with Aurora, and then it was Aurora was purchased by Vertex, and that led through their wonderful efforts collaborating with our wonderful team, uh, to the first drug that treated the basic defect.
3: Mm-hmm. We
2: really were getting at what was wrong, and that worked initially for about 5% of our patients uh, with a certain genotype. And then in 2015, we got another one uh, that was approved or combied, that worked for about a total of 60% of our patients. Mm-hmm. And now we expect, I think, over the next year or so, Uh, probably on the shorter, more shorter term than even that, another drug based upon what we learned in 1989 about the gene and what we learned about the basic defect, another drug that will really bring up significant improvements uh, and quality of life and length of life to over 90% of our patients.
1: Yeah, it's an incredible transformation over that course of that five years. It was just watching that happen, Bob, and I remember when Bob and I were at a, um, I think it was California or Colorado, when um, you told us this is going on maybe f- 18 years ago, well, maybe 15 years ago about the drug you had in your pocket. So, yeah, you
4: had a couple of pills in your pocket. And
2: you
1: said, you
4: said yeah, take three I of these. To, I
2: used to be in, lo- I, I, I used <laughs> to have a lot of, getting a lot of a trouble, but <laughs> I, somebody gave me. Uh, some of the pills that were used in the early clinical trials. We started some of those clinical trials in 2007, maybe 2008.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And um, I had a one pill that was uh, called Kalydeco and was blue. And I say this is going to be <laughs> the famous blue pill for cystic fibrosis. And uh, so... Uh, uh, it worked out. It worked. It's a hard process because we did not know in 1999 when we made our first investment with Aurora.
1: What year was if that, If we mom? would ever
2: find it. 19- I was 99. 99, uh-huh. Uh, 1999, mm-hmm. uh, that we would find a drug. Yeah. It was happened to be an oral drug. That would actually work and get approved by the Food and Dirt Administration in 2012. Again, for a small number of patients, but as we learned more about the genetics and learned more about what CFTR, which is that protein, the product of that gene, uh, how to fix it, that we, um, we, we, progress moved forward. And what's exciting now is that I think there are investments being made today in the science as to where we were in 1999. It's going to even be better science. Yeah. It's going to be even better improvements with some of the new technologies that are evolving because so much you have to do in biomedical research. You have to wait the technologies evolve. And now we have things like RNA uh, replacement therapies. We have gene therapy. We have all kinds of different kinds of things uh, that are we are the cystic fibrosis foundation is investing in at this point that's even going to make even greater improvements for the quality and length of life for CF patients
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's that's so interesting Um, I love hearing about it and I remember when Cladico and Orkambi came out, my mom was so so excited, and she kept telling me about it. Um, and the new drug you're talking about, um, I'm on the Vertex four four five trial, and that has helped me immensely. It's crazy how that affects like my lungs and everything. I can just, when I first started taking it, I could just feel the difference, and it's brought my lung function up about ten percent. And so it's amazing how that stuff works. And hearing from your point of view how they have developed that and come from the beginning, it's so interesting just to hear that side of it.
2: Well, again, you know, the first drug worked for about, with a certain mutation, worked for 3%. Now they found other mutations that drug works for by itself. Mm -hmm. Then there was the the two-drug combination that helped patients that had two copies of the the, uh, uh, defective gene, uh, same ones Delta 508 and then I don't want to get too complicated mm-hmm. but then the third three drug combination really has opened up to uh, added another 30% to its effective pro- profile so still waiting FDA approval mm-hmm. but I've heard a number of people who have written me notes and I've talked to uh, Dr. Boyle and others that there's such a an improvement so mm-hmm. and that's to the next level, but just think of some of the things that are going to continue that, to improve upon that uh, for you, uh, Jennifer. That's yeah. why I'm so excited uh, about the future.
0: Yes, and thank you so much for everything that you have done to help, like, help through all this research because... I have heard my mom say everything and how it's come about and obviously hearing you say it. Um, it is, gr- it was just, I'm just so thankful for everything you've done and you're such a great mentor to the staff at the CF Foundation and it's just amazing everything you've done um, and the culture um, throughout uh, the uh, foundation. Jennifer,
2: let, let me make sure I, I clarify. It was a major team effort.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We couldn't have done what we have done without... Volunteers participating in Great Strides events, Mm -hmm. participating in all kinds of wonderful events. Uh, I know that uh, uh, I have a bottle that says, uh, Mm -hmm.
3: uh,
2: got your name on it, a (laughs) bottle of Pinot Noir uh, down. And uh, so uh, that was obviously at a fundraising event. Mm -hmm. And
4: And make sure you drink it, Bob. Make sure you drink it, uh, and okay. then, just, then just put uh, uh, some purple water I'm in it. I'm waiting to
2: save it for you guys. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: don't worry. We'll bring you some more, Bob. Don't worry. We've got a <laughs> lot of that. Okay.
2: But, but, but it, we had a wonderful cadre of people that were raising money for us. We had preeminent scientists that we were able to bring to the fold. We had passionate people that were at the drug companies uh, and they made the decision to move forward with cystic fibrosis. And, you know, I was very fortunate to have a board for which your mom, mom was is a member, and mm-hmm. uh, we had a great board with great support. We had great leadership with Bob Dressing mm-hmm. uh, over the years, and Doris Tolson and Frank DeFord and mm-hmm. now Preston Campbell and mm-hmm. uh, and in the future Mike Boyle. Uh, all of these people, all have worked together. It wasn't any one person. But, and, and the staff that work so hard in the field, in the chapters, and the center directors that take care of everybody. It is just an amazing, amazing community. And I don't think there's any other disease. I've been working with some other diseases off and on just on a, for a fun basis. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating to them because they can't do what CF did. Wow. It was just mm-hmm. such a culture. Uh, because uh, Jennifer, all they got to do is meet people like yourselves and seeing mm-hmm. the, the battle uh, that you that you face, or or see the recent movie Five Feet Apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the exact movie title of it, I forgot. Yes, Five it is. Apart? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You and know, Jennifer did, did a podcast with the face. actress from that. She was I know. I know. I know. Kind enough to do that. With and, uh, so I, once you meet these people, just like I met the people back in, you know, 1976 and 77, you get engaged, and that's where we've been so
4: successful.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Well, we appreciate your humility, Bob. The culture starts at the top, and, um, you know, great job by yourself, and there are many, many other people, and we've met a lot of them over the years, but um, it's it's been very inspiring. And the whole small molecule thing, when um, that got started with these, with these, you uh, um, corrective proteins, that's just rocket science. So that Can you speak a little bit about how innovative that was? Was there another medication out like Orcambi or Kalydeco when they came out? That was really sort of a revolutionary approach pharmacologically, wasn't it? Well,
2: Bob, that, that's a great question because we had a protein. We knew that that protein was defective and we had to find, we hoped, a small molecule that would somehow bind to that protein and open that protein up, open that channel up so that chloride could get out. Hmm. And um, quite frankly, we started treating compounds. And there are millions and millions of chemical compounds, uh, some of which look like they could be drugs. And so, again, as I said, we did not know when we started the the, uh, high-throughput screening, we called it, Mm to screen thousands of compounds, if we would find a drug, fortunately it was an oral drug, that would work. And uh, so it was the first time that a small molecule was able to correct a genetic defect at the basic level when we Mm -hmm. discovered Kaleutico. It was a remarkable time. We have small molecules that will help with the symptoms, but we were actually correcting the protein. So, you know, uh, it was uh, Dr. Collins, who is the head of the NIH and Mm -hmm. founded CFG, and he says that uh, was one of the collaborators with uh, a, a team from Toronto. Jack Weird and Lap Chee mm-hmm. he always said looking for the gene was like looking for a needle in a haystack. Well, you know, and you didn't know what haystack to look in, but, you know, we didn't know what chemical compound was going to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because we had great technical ability, we made an investment. That was a $40 million investment. Wow. Oh. Now, that was unheard of. Yeah. Uh, from a small foundation like the CF Foundation. What
1: percentage when of first the? Got by what what percentage of the total funds was that? And that must have been pretty um, scary. Oh, that,
2: that was uh, at that point that was uh, way and well. Let me. T- it was fortunately I have to you know Bill and Melinda Gates gave us twenty million dollars to start wow. this project. Mm,
3: that's awesome. And
2: we had developed an antibiotic called Toby. And we actually sold that, the rights to that drug, mm-hmm. and got another $20 million. So we had the $40 million. Got In it. addition, at that point, I think we were supporting a medical program of probably 40 or $60 million. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, when 1980, the medical scientific program, the CF Foundation, was less than $2 million. Mm-hmm. And
3: Amazing.
2: today, I'm sure it's approaching, Carol, you know better yep. than I do, but... Yep. It's got, It's approaching two hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm.
3: Wow. When I
2: left in two thousand fifteen, I think it was one hundred and seventy million dollars,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it's probably more. And we're we're continuing to take shots on goal. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's my philosophy. Yeah. Take shots on goal. Are you going to miss some? Uh, but you're going to, as Wayne Gretzky says, you're going to miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. And some, we took shots and go. I think you all know that there was a couple drugs we thought Mm -hmm. even got to phase three and they didn't work.
3: That Mm -hmm. was uh,
2: disappointing to our community. But uh, we had some that did work, that continued to work, and the nice thing is we got a lot of competition in the field and we got other kinds of technologies that are even going to make today's uh, uh, approaches to therapy even look... uh, uh, just as milestones to even what do we can accomplish in the future.
0: Mm, wow. That's so that's so amazing to hear kind of how that's come about. Um, and you kind of touched, about, touched on this a little bit, but what is, like, the evolution of the CF Foundation uh, kind of from when you started until now, like the growth of the staff, and you talked about it a little bit, but, like, the range of the budget over the years?
2: Well, you know, I, I really, you know, anytime I talk about the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, I have to go back to 1955 when Doris Tolson mm-hmm. uh, and her family founded the CF Foundation, and they gave a grant of $10,000 mm-hmm.
3: and
2: uh, uh, for this research program. But they did some remarkable things. They started a patient registry. They started our care center network in the 60s. Mm-hmm. When I got there uh, in uh, 1980. As I said, the medical budget—I don't have it. i would have to ask. But I think it was about two million dollars.
3: Mm-hmm. We didn't
2: mm-hmm. have very much money in the bank. Uh, the number of employees was—we uh, had—we still had about seventy chapters.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So you know that was uh, a, a lot—a significant number of people. Uh, so we still had about a couple hundred people uh, in the foundation, but the now. I think it's approaching seven hundred people in the foundation. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is the medical scientific budget. What we're investing in medical research bring better therapies for Jennifer and everybody who is affected by this disease today, or who will be affected by it in the future.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: that's what's uh, that's uh, that's that's the most exciting thing. So we continue to take shots on goal.
1: Yeah, I think what comes to mind for me, Bob, is the the boldness that you had thinking about the venture philanthropy model. And I think it's um, such a great example for what the CF patient goes through and the bravery that you had as the leader of the foundation to make the risky move of investing money in a company that was hopeful and coming to fruition with an effective drug. And you look at the courage of these CF patients and the ability to participate in clinical trials. I think knowing, and Jennifer growing up, and now she's almost 18 years old, in the years before, participating in a clinical trial was not as common, even in other diseases. And you know, you little had reservations about side effect profile and things. Now, I, what the foundation has done is open up the eyes of, of people having other medical conditions about clinical trials. And the importance of participating in a clinical trial in the advancement of science and advancements in medicine, and I think that boldness that you started um, and the courage of the CF patient together has just kind of given a really great um, example for the community at large, our national, you know, healthcare system as far as being able to embrace the challenge and participate in the progress.
2: Well, you know, people with cystic fibrosis. Uh, and their families inspire those of us whose families have never been affected by CF.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But they—they uh, they are an inspiration to everyone, uh, uh, you know. And uh, it's—and uh, that—that's uh, while well, CF is not contagious, their mm-hmm. spirit mm-hmm. and their yes illness is. is contagious. Yep. And I think, you know, I another example of our growth. Uh, we have. 1986, uh, 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 84, 86. We started the North American meeting, which is our annual CF meeting, and uh, we had 400 people at a meeting in Canada. This year, they had over 5,000 people at the North American meeting,
3: oh. and I'm
2: sure this year, coming year, they have 6,000. So yep. all, and that's just scientists. And caregivers, nurses, social workers, respiratory therapists, physical therapists, physicians, researchers, Ph.D.s, biomedical researchers, people from industry, all focused on Mm -hmm. one thing, and that's the cystic fibrosis patient Mm -hmm. and trying to give them the quality of life that they uh, they deserve. Yeah.
1: -hmm. Yeah. Who started the NACFC? You just mentioned that. Um, What was the... um, who initiated that organization?
2: Well, I, I, it was well i it was something they used to have something called CF Club, which predated me at the CF Foundation.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's where a bunch of the scientists would kind of get together and they'd share abstracts. and uh, I felt it wasn't uh, the quality that we wanted mm-hmm. and it wasn't going to because many of the scientists we were bringing in to CF were scientists that had also gone to diabetes meetings and gone to lung meetings Mm and gone to GI meetings, which were really, you know, good meetings at that point,
3: Mm -hmm. at least
2: on the grant, in terms of numbers of participants and the number of things. So I said to uh, one of my colleagues then, Caroline McPherson, who was the coordinator, and uh, I said, you know, we got to move to the next level. And so we called it the first North American CF meeting. And now, how many years later is it? They're in the 30s years yeah. at this point, and uh, 38 years, something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And
2: uh, so uh, we said, let's let's do something better, and we organized it in a very different way, and um, and we started to have good sessions. We had symposia. We brought people from outside, and we really made a big investment. And now it's the meeting it is today.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really great gathering Now no I think a lot of parents attend it it's such a um, such yeah
2: more a p- and more parents mm-hmm. are going to it, mm-hmm. uh, it it's uh, and you know it's 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 almost a celebration it now. is exactly I was gonna say uh, that. when I first started going we first started having you know you know it, it was it was not a celebration no. it was uh, I I think these people work hard, uh, uh, and we all recognize that we're still the usual people, but we have to celebrate Mm
3: -hmm. their
2: energy and and what they've started to accomplish, Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so great to hear from Jennifer and hearing that uh, she's almost 18. Mm -hmm. I can remember when I first met you folks. uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, the frustration you both had. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was it? When that first day you How old was Jennifer? With?
1: I think she was Three probably yeah. And it was I think maybe at the uh, yeah UGE Ultimate Golf I think in um, yeah when it was in, in the Boulders of North Scottsdale. I think Jennifer was about yeah four or five years old and
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Now yes. Yeah, so it was rough. I mean, it's totally a different story today yes. than mm-hmm. it was when she was four years old. It's a great story today, but it's even going to be better when she's uh, 34, 44, and 54.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. That's right. Thanks for all your efforts and the team that you've built over the years, Bob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, and just like kind of out of curiosity, what was your experience with other like disease foundations that would come to the Cy- Cystic Fibrosis Foundation for advice or like guidance?
2: Well, a lot of organizations have come to us. They want to do what we did. Mm -hmm. They want to uh, take, they want to get involved with venture philanthropy. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Uh, They want to uh, start a patient registry. Our patient registry started in 65. We've got 60, almost 60 years of experience Mm -hmm. in our patient registry, which documents all of the symptoms and medications. Some of the organizations want to start them today, and it's mm-hmm. very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of organizations where there's a lot of uh, different, many organizations approaching the same disease. Cystic mm-hmm. fibrosis is very fortunate. Mm-hmm. There's really only one significant organization. That's the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation.
3: Mm-hmm. Now Boomer
2: Asai has the Asai Foundation, but we've always he's always been very generous to us and given the money to support research, because a Mm -hmm. lot of people ask about that. Mm
3: -hmm. And a lot of the
2: money he's raised is given to us to support the research. And uh, so we've only had one, sort of one show in town. Mm
3: -hmm. But
2: the other thing is they're not risk tolerant. Mm
3: -hmm. They
2: are not willing to take risk. You know, when I went to the board uh, and said we want to, we think it's prudent, to invest $40 million in this and presented a good rationale for it. The discussion was probably 15 minutes, an hour maybe at most, mm-hmm. but they wanted to take risk. Mm-hmm. They were willing to take risk to make a difference. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, again, we took some that didn't work, but we took enough shots on goal that they did work. So, so a lot of the organizations, a lot of infighting, and number two, they're not willing to take risk. They don't have the resources to take many shots on goal. Because if you only take one shot on goal and it fails, uh, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Right. We took a number of shots on goal and because of our community and because of our commitment. We always talk about the Vertex one and the Aurora one, which is great, but uh, there were others that, mm-hmm. uh, and are still others, that are, they took some payoffs from. So
3: mm.
2: uh, shots on goal, and uh, again, uh, a good organization. Skates to where the puck is going to be a, a good skater, I per se, uh, not where the puck is. And mm-hmm. cystic fibrosis needs always has said we got to go to where it's going to be in the future, and let's make the investment now.
0: Mm-hmm. That's yeah, right. that's very a important. very good approach to take, especially with something where you need to make progress and things like that. Um, and you kind of. And there
2: are several. There, there are several organizations. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, leukemia lymphoma group is doing a great job. Uh, they, they adopted venture philanthropy. Uh, some other groups have ad, uh, adopted venture philanthropy, and we're seeing success.
3: Mm-hmm. So we've
2: really changed the culture a lot.
3: Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's
2: still a lot that want to do it, just can't get off the dime.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: there's a lot of groups that have now developed Michael J. Fox, uh, leukemia, lymphoma, cancer to some extent, and other groups are, are, are doing it. Uh, but. Uh, We've got a track record that's unbeatable.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, especially the progress that the CF Foundation has made. Um, And you kind of talked about this a little bit, but uh, what is like the approach that the CF Foundation has to recruit interest in companies um, to research uh, for a cure?
2: Well, uh, we are still again, we are funding them. We de-risk them. Mm You know, a lot of companies. You know, they focus on big disease areas.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the reason we didn't have drugs initially was we were so-called orphan disease.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There
2: wasn't going to be a big return on their investment. So it was very difficult for them to go to the board and say, hey, we want to make a big investment in something that we're not sure it's going to have a payoff. Mm-hmm. So what we did and we continue to do is we de risk the companies to get involved. Okay. And we are still de-risking companies to uh, do some of the things that we want to do in terms of gene therapy, mRNA, uh, the CRISPR-Cas technologies, uh, gene splicing, mm-hmm. all of those things which are were science fiction five yeah. and ten years yep. ago. That's right. We are investing in, in them for the future. So, uh, you know, the companies are... And so we we de-risk them. We want them to get involved. We want them to take them through that really. And so if they get some data and they get a good hypothesis, they get a good product or something like that, then they can go to the board and say, hey, we've got a good clue here. And then their board is willing to participate and be a partner with the CF Foundation. And we are a great partner to them because we have our own clinical trial network. Mm -hmm. We have our own patient registry. We give them funding. Uh, you know, the Vertex is still, it was a, was a partnership. We were at, we just didn't give them the money and walk away. We were at the mm-hmm. table three or four five times a year, mm-hmm. uh, talking to them constantly. We had staff that were talking to them daily. Uh, we had clinical people that were helping them design their clinical trials. So, again, it was a, a community effort. It wasn't just the Vertex team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Vertex team. Uh, with the CFF team versus our volunteers and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, et cetera,
4: et cetera. Mm. You know, Bobby brought it up and, and the gene therapy stuff is so exciting, and you got to believe it's going to have a tremendous role in the future, and it's it's great that the CF Foundation is at the forefront again of, of de-risking um, pharmaceutical companies to look into that, to look into therapies for CF. I was talking to Carol yesterday, you know, and I think that in the future, you're going to go to your doctor, he's going to do a, a test and see what viruses you got infected with in the, since your last uh, exam and give you something that's going to take out whatever genes those viruses might have given you. This doesn't apply to CF, but they're finding so many of these cancers that people get, whether it's a hematologic uh, malignancy or a, a skin cancer, that there's a, an oncogene that was introduced into your body that caused something to turn into cancer later on. And you got to believe at some point they'll be able to go, okay, well, you've got, you're infected with this. We're going to take that out. We're going to remove that from your, um, from your genome, and you'll go on your way in prevention of stuff as opposed to in the case of therapy with CF. But it certainly seems like CF will be, is a great fit for being one of the first diseases that you can just take and correct the deficient gene.
2: Well, because er, er, where we would love to, to be able to correct it is in the lungs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and obviously we'd like to be able to do the GI and so forth. Some of these new drugs that we've been talking about, the small molecules, are affecting the GI symptoms as well as the pulmonary symptoms and all of those, but uh, even if we could just get into the lungs to the stem cells and correct them so that those never develop CF in the lungs,
3: Mm -hmm. uh, that
2: would be, and it sounds like rocket science, but some of those Drugs are now being used, not for CF, but we haven't got that far. But we know what we got to do. Right. Mm-hmm. we got to get the CF gene into those cells, and we got to find what are the stem cells and get them out and fix them and put them back in. But people are already experimenting with
0: that.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. It's so,
0: and I just love hearing about it, especially because um, I obviously grew up and I'm obviously I'm 17 so I kind of have grown up while everything's uh, progressing so rapidly and it's been amazing to just kind of see like within myself the progress of the medications especially in the past year with the study that I am on right now in Tucson uh, just the progress of everything that has happened and even going to doctor appointments and being, oh like there's this new drug or there's this new therapy or anything that has gone on. It's uh, amazing to kind of hear the progress and to see it within myself. Uh, so you touched on this a little bit earlier, but what was it like for patients when you started with the CF Foundation? And how does that kind of compare to the CF patients in today?
2: Well, Je- Jennifer, you just described how it is for CF patients today, mm-hmm. uh, just to hear your spirit and knowing what you do and how outdoorsy you are with your parents and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But back in, now again, when the foundation was first founded in 1955, patients didn't very often live to kindergarten.
3: Wow.
2: In 1980, uh, uh, when I first started the foundation, uh median life expectancy was uh in the uh the late eighteen about eighteen, nineteen years of age. Wow. Now it's um, way over forty. It's over forty. That's amazing. But with these new drugs that need that that statistic is, is gonna be thrown out pretty mm. soon uh because it's uh it's it's gonna change that dr- drastically. Um and uh the patients uh it was kind of a dream in back in 1980 for kids to go to college, mm-hmm. to think about that. That was tough for parents to think about. Mm-hmm. A marriage was not something that they would probably think about. Uh, having children was something that they very seldom thought about. In fact, they thought it was not healthy for them to have children. And now, uh, you know, uh, it's a very different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, for vast majority of patients. Now there's still a lot of patients that mm-hmm. still continue to struggle and we work hard to treat those symptoms. We make sure we're working very hard through public policy efforts and make sure they can get the drugs. They make sure we get the antibiotics, uh, using lots of different kinds of things for some of the resistant bacteria to improve their quality of life so that they can really benefit from the new drugs and the new approaches that you see with your with your the clinical trial that you're on. So uh, I think that the biggest thing is the hope and optimism mm-hmm. uh, that we've been able to to create that people can think about their future can think about the things that I just uh, outlined.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's amazing to to see that, um, and especially just hearing and um, people who other CF people who have, like, YouTube channels and things like that to kind of hear about their stories. Um, and just quick shout-out to my mom, who has been always mm-hmm. on the ball and on clinical trials and all the new medications, who has kept me very healthy. Um, I definitely would not be as healthy as I am today without her, uh, but it is amazing the progress that has come through all the medications in the CF Foundation. Um, Jennifer's it's
4: our- a team effort. Yes. It's yes. awesome. It's, team, ha- team it's yes. awesome having a live-in pediatrician, Bob. Yes. <laughs> um, who knows a lot oh, about yeah, CF? Yeah, yeah. she's been able to jump <laughs> on a lot of things uh, for right. Jennifer.
2: Well, oh, when she used to call me, <laughs> when she used to call me, it was She uh, was. Uh, she would, she would uh, pull out some of those medical school books to start asking <laughs> me questions. <laughs> and made, me, uh, made me think and made me work.
1: No, thank mm-hmm. you, but because I remember. Heck, the, when I was a resident in Houston taking care of CF patients, and that was in the 90s. So the transformation from then to today, um, it's just mind-boggling, and I could only have dreamed for that um, to happen in Jennifer's lifetime. So for me uh, and for Bob, for us to picture what it was going to be like for Jennifer to have CF, um, when the way that I took care of those kids is just hundred percent different and um, and it's just a dream come true and I think in those days when Jennifer was born as a parent, you didn't even want to dream for your child. It was something you were it would just give you so much sadness because you couldn't put that dream in your mind because it would probably not happen. Uh, and I unfortunately had experience with a lot of CF kids dying on the floor when all the kids were on the same floor. And now Jennifer's hardly in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And just the whole change in the last 18 years, um, I wouldn't have imagined it. And I'm just so grateful and blessed of the progress that's happened, as the team effort that's led to this progress.
2: Well, I said it is a team. Yes. And uh, it's, a, it's a great story, but uh, it's, it is not in its... Uh, it's still uh, got a few more chapters to go. Yes. Mm-hmm. But by gosh, uh we're, we're 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 getting there quickly.
1: So yes. Another one story that I remember I wanted to, uh, Bob reminded me of it um and I probably got this name from you Bob Bell was um a doctor from Minnesota when Jennifer was 2 I wanted to get a second opinion as to what could we do differently um for her. Um she was pretty sick um since birth. So there was a physician that, an older man, um, gosh, he was the Dr. one that's... Warren Warwick. Dr. Yes, that's Warren it. Warren Warwick. Very good. I knew you'd know the name. Yeah, I remember. So Bob and I flew to Minnesota, and Jennifer was sitting in her little stroller, and um, the physician asked us, um, you know, looked at her her, her chart, and then said... Um,
4: and Carol had a list of questions she was going through, <laughs> and, and Dr. Warwick said... Um, oh, Yeah. He said, I've been,
2: "I've been at the end of those questions."
4: <laughs> <right? Yes. laughs> and and she, was, she was pounding through them pretty well. And he said, "He said, look, ma'am, I, I want you to think about this differently. Your daughter's going to grow up. She's going to go to college. She's going to get married, and that's where her life is going to go." And Carol broke down and quit asking questions.
1: <laughs> but he did but ask Warren me. Warren was a. Re- yeah.
2: Warren was an optimist. I mean, uh, and, and he. Took care of patients in the days that there wasn't a lot of optimism, but right. uh, uh, but he was he was a he he, he really developed you know uh, the vest that right. we use now mm-hmm. the mechanical percussion vest mm-hmm. and uh, he developed that and uh, his contributions as uh, a lengthy list of contributions and he he didn't have all the tools that we have today
3: yeah right. but he
2: did a great job along with a lot of other wonderful dedicated caregivers, pediatricians. You know, he was a pediatrician, but now we not only have pediatricians taking care of CF patients, we have adult doctors, uh, Mm -hmm. internists, uh, because over half of our patients are now over 18 years of age. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. um, When you were at the CF Foundation, what were some of the biggest challenges that you experienced while you were president?
2: Uh, You know, one of the biggest challenges that I think is that you have to do Mm -hmm. is manage people's expectations. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh,
2: When we discovered the gene in 1989, uh, people, uh, there was early, early times with gene therapy. There are people who felt, uh, and, you know, this was... uh, leadership in the foundation and parents and so forth that gene therapy was going to cure the disease then.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And we ran into some problems. And so, and we did not know to the FDA called us whether they were going to approve Kalydeco in 2012. We didn't know. Or a Combi in 2015. So you always have to manage people's expectations. Uh, There's going to be failures. There's going to be disappointments. We're going to lose people with Uh, Along the way, Mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to see the story like in Five Feet Apart, Mm -hmm. uh, where people are waiting to have transplants, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But we really, really, uh, the biggest challenge to be optimistic, which I still am optimistic, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I also recognize there will be disappointments in the future. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: that's one of the things we all have to manage. Uh, that family who happens to be at a hospital today where there, there is less and less patients on the floors today, by the way, in hospitals,
3: mm-hmm.
2: the, the census in hospitals is really dramatically reduced. But there are some that are going to be in the hospital. There's some young ones that are going to be in. How do you manage their expectations? And mm-hmm. I think that's the greatest challenge that a CEO has. Uh, not only is that important with the board, mm-hmm. with the patient. Their families, but with your staff, and we have amazing staff, chapter staff that are out there raising the money and telling this story, and other people at the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. So, managing expectations is uh, is probably the biggest challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally understandable, especially because, uh, while we have made so much progress over the years, everyone is still different and. Um, not everyone will live to be the expectancy now, which is a little over 40, but hopefully most of us do. Um, so, oh God, on a more positive note, I guess, uh, what was your greatest joy while you were president of the foundation?
2: My greatest what?
0: Your greatest joy. I
2: couldn't Greatest joy, I think it was the day that, uh, or Combi, it was approved, that... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we had an individual, and I can't say
3: who,
2: mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, but he, I was there when it was approved, and I happened to be in the room where his physician was, mm-hmm. uh, and he wrote the first prescription for combi <laughs> wow. that he could write for this person. And that person has continued to benefit uh, from the combi uh and that was a milestone that got us <laughs> over the 50 percent level wow. uh, that really proved to us and you know and and we have been able fortunately to be able to put aside some of the resources that we have today mm-hmm. and that in addition to our continued volunteer resources uh, that I knew and we had lots of people involved that, that that was probably my greatest thrill to to be able to to witness that uh, that excitement.
0: yeah there's a lot of tears. That's amazing. That's awesome. oh, yeah, I can't imagine that that had to be so fantastic. And the amount of
1: hope that you provided every parent around, across the country and internationally so that was echoed around the world mm-hmm. when that happened. yes
0: um, well uh,
2: uh, you all come and visit me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still in the DC area most of the time. And I still have that bottle of wine, yes, or you can bring that. some more, but mm-hmm. we have uh, uh, Jennifer's uh, vineyards I mean, uh, <laughs> there. Okay.
4: We'll, we'll drink that with Mimi, to- toast your great performance on the podcast. We'll bring you more when we come to visit you. Yes. But, uh, okay, that, that one should be consumed, and today's uh, always a good day, say, 30th anniversary, you might want to celebrate that one. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good night for Okay,
2: that. and I'm excited, and I'm, I'm honored am honored. Uh, had the chance to participate in this podcast uh, uh, with your family, but uh, especially when the invitation came from Jennifer. I'm, I'm honored.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to add before we wrap this up?
2: No, just uh, I'm excited for your future. Thank you. And, Me too. Uh, uh, and I know you're going to continue to do some big game hunting, but I also know that in the world you're going to be, you're going to make a difference. So I know you're going to do well, but I know you're going to do, make a big difference because you've you've seen what people whose passion and commitment can do for you, and you're going to do the same thing for others.
0: Well, thank you so much. So that means Bob. that means a lot. And yep, college is right around the corner, and of course, a lot of big game hunting. Um, and I'm just so grateful to you and everyone else who has been a part of the CF Foundation, all the volunteers, all the scientists, and just everyone uh, who has helped the Foundation come to what it is today and all the medications because without them, I definitely would not be alive today. So I'm just so grateful for everyone who has helped out because it is amazing how far we've come. Uh, thank you. Yes, thank thank you so thank much again. you very again. much for these- Thank you so much again bye for bye. everything you've done. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank Thanks, you for your Bob. time. Thank, Thank you. Well, say, hi to, say hi to Mimi.
4: Thanks, sir.
1: Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Uh, so. Um, that was fun. It was fun. He so interesting to talk to. Um, and especially like hearing, I love talking to people who are this invested mm-hmm. into, obviously through this podcast, I've heard a lot of that, but who are so invested in things like the CI Foundation because their perspective on it and their knowledge of it. It's just so amazing to hear, and it's something obviously I hear a lot from you, mom. But uh, he's just—he lives in Briggs CF, so mm-hmm. his uh, knowledge of everything is so interesting to hear, and um, just to hear the progress, to hear everything from where we've come from, um, even the fact that it started in 1955. Like that was very interesting to me, and I didn't know that. Um, it's kind of been around that long and just, I don't know, to me that that's like 30 years ago seems like so long ago, especially, <laughs> um, I know, I know I'm like, I wanna that's good. Well, hopefully like when
4: you're 30 years from now, this won't seem that long ago that you talked to him.
1: Yeah. Well, Dor- Doris Tolson who she, he mentioned, mm-hmm. she's always on the phone during our board meetings.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so my mom is on the CF board. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that is and kind of what the CF board's role is? Sure. Um, I've been on the board for about four years and
1: basically year maybe about um, maybe ten years ago the board was much larger um, from what I was told about 40 members and they most of them would be parents Mm -hmm. um, very active parents and donating and volunteering and um, they reduced that size of board to a more manageable number and so we are somewhere in between 15 to 18 Mm -hmm. and um, uh, I was Asked to be on the board by Rich Mattingly, who is the former vice president of the CF Foundation, and uh, I wanted to be a part of it because I was obviously so involved on the local level, but I also was um, really eager to be um, part of a big picture on mm-hmm. um, what CF was um, hoping to be in the future. Like, could we change the the future of CF, and what what can we do? And obviously, your dad and I are always fully invested. In what we could do we'll do anything to mm-hmm. help um, change the future for those with CF and being a board member has opened my eyes to the, the great passion that Dr. Bell talked about mm-hmm. and that is something that's unique and very heartwarming to know yeah. that there are people that are related to CF and people that are not related to CF who serve on the board mm-hmm. and they equally have the same passion and same commitment and same hope for those with CF and so that is puts us in, in such a grateful position um, and I'm just lucky to be a part of it mm-hmm. um, and I hope to give to the board what they give to me uh, and what they give to our family um, hope and 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 a future mm-hmm. uh, so I'm just grateful the foundation continues to staff uh, with fabulous people that are truly dedicated um, that are good at what they do and they improve on what they're doing hiring the you know the best uh, scientists out there the best clinicians
4: mm-hmm. and
1: you know the expectations are high among parents dr bell kind of uh, alluded to that and that's very true people on the board we always remind each other about the high expectations that we have for our own children for those children that have passed away the life that they missed mm-hmm. and what can we do to make a difference and the expectations we always keep it high in my mind um, We'll always reach for that, mm-hmm. um, getting, keeping the big picture in mind. Um, there's a lot of complications that occur along the way, and a lot of, you know, ups and downs that CF patients go through. And same with the science, a lot of ups and downs with science. But if we have the big picture in mind uh, about, you know, a long time, long life for CF patients, but ultimately cure, we're going to continue to look in that direction mm-hmm. um, and endure the the journey because it's going to be a long one, and sometimes it's going to be bumpy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you've done so much for me. Thank you so much for everything you c- have done and continue to do. Um, oh, I wouldn't up it any other way, Jen. Yes. Well, thank you. Um, and for you, list for my listeners out there. For those of you who haven't heard my Grand Slam journey, the story of that, um, it was all inspired uh, by Wonder Warrior, but also because a couple months before I had just started, or six months before, or nine months—I honestly kind of forget—but. Um, I had gotten a bad infection in my lungs and it took over six months of IV therapy for that to finally go away. And so I went through a uh, many, many struggles during that time. It was a um, really tough time. Yeah, because of the IV therapy and side effects of the meds and just being so sick. Um, and so kind of during that time, you know, you hit a low point when you're that sick. And I looked up the life expectancy of a CF person. And I believe the results were from like 2016, and it was 37 years old, and that number really hit me hard, because growing up, obviously with this disease, you know that your life is going to be shortened, uh, but having a solid number in my head really uh, kind of messed with me mentally, so um, from then on, I wanted to live my life making the most of everything uh, before I kind of reach to the point where I can't do some of the things that I want to do anymore, because I'm just not healthy enough. Um, but as Dr. Bell was saying, you know, the life expectancy has gone up even since 2016. Mm-hmm. Significantly, it's about 45-ish um, now, and it will continue, hopefully, to go up. Um, so I can't wait uh, to see that. Honestly, this is kind of a stupid thing to say, but I kind of want it to stop going up so that I have, like, a number that I can beat, because, like, in my head, I'm, like, <laughs> I just want it to be a number, and I can just, like be like 55 and look back on the number 45 and be like, screw you, you know,
4: so... Okay, I'll give you a number, 78. All
0: right, (laughs) that's right. So, aim high, Jen, remember? Aim high. Yes, for
4: sure. And Jen, I do want to say, so, you've had the pleasure and the opportunity to to share um, the journeys of some pretty inspiring people so far Mm -hmm. on your podcast, and this interview with uh, Dr. Bell was certainly one of those. Yes. (coughs) And it's, um, you know, you listen to his career path and, and what happened under his leadership, CF Foundations, progress, etc. It's just uh, you need to, as you are about to graduate from high school mm-hmm. and you know in May and you will go on to your career, just make sure that you bring passion to the game. Mm-hmm. You bring a strive to achieve excellence and you try to uh, achieve or at least help contribute to the culture mm-hmm. of wherever you're working to be the best at what you can. It doesn't really matter what you choose in your life. But if you work hard and you become proficient at it, and you showed others that um, that your energy and your dedication, your passion are are paramount to the way you do things, you'll be successful. And that's how outstanding results ha- happen. Mm-hmm. Just like what's happened with the success of the CF Foundation. So mm-hmm. these things don't happen by mistake. Yeah, it's people that work hard and recruit mm-hmm. excellent people around them and. Take the passion from the patients and their families and dedicate it in a positive direction. It's Mm. very inspiring.
0: Yes. And thank you for life advice. Definitely take that uh, going forward, Um, especially seeing you, Dad, like work with, um, you know, as a pretty dope surgeon. Sorry. I hated that I said that. Pretty (laughs) awesome surgeon. (laughs) I don't Um, usually
4: use dope on my patients, but...
0: Thank not you. as far as anyone knows. Um, that
4: was like a really cool compliment, so thanks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're
1: welcome. <laughs> the millennial, well, maybe not the I'm X not generation. Millennial. Yes.
4: Yeah, well, that's great, Jen, But nice job with the interview, and uh, we're very grateful he took the time to yes. do it. He was obviously very excited to do it. So. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think I want to say one thing too that um, Dr. Bell mentioned about the inspiration that that people from the foundation uh, Mm. are fueled by the patients with cystic fibrosis, because that's really true. I mean, I think dad and I will say as parents that we are inspired by what you endure every day. Mm. It's a pain, the things you have to do to keep yourself healthy, and let alone those things that you have to do when you're sick. Mm. So, you know, you inspire us, uh, you inspire your your friends. um, So your courage that you, you know, fight every day, you know, really makes people think twice about how they spend their time. Mm. And I think that, You know, as that doctor in Minnesota asked, what's one good thing about CF? And I said, it's nothing when I first got the question to me. And now I can say that I value each and every day and we're never Mm -hmm. promised tomorrow. And that is a lesson I've learned with CF in our life. And you've done a great job working very hard at what what you have to do every day. And so Mm -hmm. we're proud of you
4: thank you we are and i want to give a shout out to your brothers too because they are a big part of dudes they're a big part of of the way that you are have grown up with the toughness and the support and the motivation and they are they're phenomenal they're a big part of your success Mm -hmm. and um your joys they're your
1: biggest cheerleaders jen and they literally yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) and they look to you as a mentor uh no my brothers they do (laughs) kind of and um my Grand Slam journey was filmed and hopefully will be out sometime soon, but they kind of got jipped a little bit on that. They don't really get enough credit as they deserve. Um, so shout out to my brothers. I love them so much. They are there for me all the time. My brother David drove me home from school today and sat there in the parking lot honking his horn as I walked to the car yes. uh, and then just annoyed me in the car, but in the most loving way possible. So I love spending time with my brothers. They're so supportive of me. So... Um, kind of helpful and mo- mostly annoying, but you know, they're always there <laughs> and me and I love them. They gotta so be a brother, much. you
1: know, that's what siblings do.
0: Yeah, of course, you know, that brotherly love, brotherly bond. Uh, no, but I would not be anywhere I am today without all of you guys and uh, Dr. Rao and everyone in the CF Foundation. Um, and I know the way I end my podcasts are kind of cheesy, but if you really break, kind of break it down, um, this podcast kind of aligns out a little bit. I am short. Uh, life is short, especially CF life and we're all trying to make the most out of every day. Um,
4: but uh, your life is not nearly as short as it would be if it wasn't for Very true. the CF Foundation, the research and the advances. So.
0: Very true. Um, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank uh, my listeners. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, it means so much to just kind of see, um, hear it from throughout my friends and kind of see the evolution of, of my podcast. It's meant so much to me. Um, and if please leave a review, it helps kind of boost the podcast and make it um higher up on recommended and things like that and on my instagram please let me know if you have any comments uh concerns literally anything just let me know Uh, i'd love to hear from you guys um if you want to hear anything you want me to talk to anybody just let me know i'd love to hear from you guys and just get feedback um and you know life is short and so am i and i'm trying to make the most out of every day and i hope that you guys do too i hope you all have a great journey and you make it an epic one